0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 8, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. Is inflation holding back our economic recovery? Not too much of it, but too little. Paul Krugman argues that the U.S. has too little inflation. Jerry O'Driscoll, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, makes his case. Paul Krugman argues that there is not enough inflation uh, for right now, and he points to uh, people like Alan Meltzer and Paul Ryan basically Uh, As inflation hawks, people very concerned about inflation, but he argues that there is not enough of it right now. What do you think of that?
1: Well, I think this is dangerous nonsense. It used to be that people who called for inflation as a cure to real economic ills were considered to be monetary cranks. Uh, Inflation disrupts economic activity, uh, uh, impedes economic calculations of profit and losses.
0: And inevitably redistributes income capriciously among groups. Now let's 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 explore that just a little bit with respect to impedes uh, economic calculation. Part of that process, if I understand it correctly, is that uh, relative prices change over yeah. t- over time, and not every price changes at the same rate when we experience inflation. And so our ability to reckon what Uh, a dollar is worth in terms of this good or that good is what is being disrupted.
1: That's correct. That's a succinct statement of the problem. And it also means that in the process of inflation and prices not changing at the same rate, uh, apparent profit opportunities are created which turn out to be illusory once uh, there's catch-up among other prices. And the best example of that in recent years was the run-up in housing prices, which was unsustainable, it The Federal Reserve expansionary policy of the early 2000s, uh, because it depressed interest rates to the extent that it did, uh, down to 1%, which we thought was incredible at the time, and now we have zero, but because it did that it drove up the price of housing which is a long life asset relative to other goods prices eventually we started getting moderate inflation in other
0: parts of the economy which helped to bring an end to the housing boom how did john maynard keynes view inflation i know he was against it and spoke vociferously about uh, the danger of it we know understandably that to the extent that it is consistent, it is punitive to savers, but w- how did Keynes view inflation? Well, he viewed
1: inflation uh, as the single mechanism which could most quickly undermine a market economy. and He actually quoted Lenin on this point, um, I mean, perhaps incorrectly, but in any case, it was Keynes' view that inflation was a dangerous thing. He also, while he was an advocate in, uh, in times of depression, of uh, fiscal expansionary fiscal policy. He said the time to stop it, to unwind the expansionary fiscal policy was not when you reached full employment. That was too late, but you had to gradually unwind it as you approached full employment. So Keynes was far more aware of the problems that we're discussing than some of his followers who invoke his name.
0: Now, uh, in uh, my assumption is that when, when Keynes says that you need to unwind stimulus more quickly, it is that the fear of an economy that is overheating. Yes, the fear of an economy that is overheating. Diagnosing inflation itself is quite difficult, is it not? That is to say when it is occurring and when prices are justified by fundamentals.
1: Well, I would say diagnosing asset bubbles is difficult except in the case of the housing crisis, it was pretty obvious to every kind of experienced observer who had – Uh, A sense of history and economic uh, logic, that housing prices cannot continuously rise faster
0: than incomes. And that was what was going on for quite a number of years. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that a a wise investor gets out. No,
1: of course. Uh, And and similarly, when you have an overheated stock market, a lot of money is to be made. But the great difficulty in exiting a housing boom is that it's an inherently housing is an illiquid asset. And if suddenly people lose confidence that prices will continue to rise in the future, and a lot of people try to stampede for the door, then
0: housing prices start coming down quickly, which is of course exactly what happened. Krugman here argues that uh, the one of the key problems is a liquidity trap. Mm-hmm. And that was an argument that was made in the early days of the financial crisis as well, that, yes. this, that this problem could be solved with liquidity. That didn't really turn out to be the case in the early part of the financial crisis. Is it true now?
1: No. Uh, leaving aside the issue of whether there is such a thing as a liquidity trap, this current situation clearly does not meet uh, the criteria for liquidity trap because the liquidity trap is an argument that if you increase money uh, uh, you're, you're caught in a situation where interest rates can't be driven down anymore. So if you try increasing money, uh, it won't have any effect. Uh, what, has, what is going on, has been going on for several years, is a breakdown in the intermediation process by which banks transform savings uh, into credit. Uh, They take the accumulative savings of individuals and lend it out to other individuals. In this case, the breakdown is in uh, the process by which normally, large quantities of reserves are injected into a banking system. It would result in an increase in in money used by individuals. What is called, the measures are called M1 or M2, various measures of money, and that's not occurring By and large, what's happening is these reserves are simply uh, building up on the books of the Federal Reserve, the reserves of individual banks. Now, this breakdown, one has to ask, why is it broken down? Well, initially, it broke down because the banks didn't want to relend reserves that the Fed was creating. Because on the one hand, they had many, many bad loans. And could not afford to make new loans some of which would go bad they just could not afford any more bad loans and the only way a bank can insure itself of making no bad loans is making no loans i'm simplifying but not tremendously also an unintended consequence of the very easy money policy near zero short-term interest rates initiated by the fed is it's also compressed the margins on loans that is A bank needs to spread over the cost of borrowing compared to the cost of lending. And that difference or margin or spread has been compressed so that a bank can't afford, even now, in many cases, or at least they're reluctant, and they're doing less than they would normally do, of lending all of these reserves because they can't get the kind of interest rate spread that they need for the risk they're taking on. what bankers told me for several years, I hear it less than I did even a year ago, is that there's no demand from by borrowers to whom they would lend, and they would not lend to the borrowers who are coming to them. And that's a pithy way of saying the risk-reward, the spread, is insufficient.
0: Jerry O'Driscoll is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.